You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the football grump. With me, as always, is Mike the Cranky Fan, and we are back after another week of, this time, basically no news, right? Yeah, I mean, this is one of my favorite times of the year. You know, we all have basketball and hockey teams in the playoffs. You know, some of us have first place baseball teams, and we have a draft coming up, so... Um, every day is excitement. So fortunately, the Giants are laying low on the news front. And usually, no news is good news in the offseason. That means nobody's getting arrested. It's doing something stupid. So I'm good with some low news right now. No, that's the best, honestly. I can't I can't really handle news and the draft at the same time. <laughs> to be honest, it's pretty difficult. Uh there is hockey playoffs going on. Really excited for Devils Rangers. I think also both teams are poised for success for several years, so we'll get plenty of years of this, uh, which mm-hmm. is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, which means that it gives us more time to talk about things like this instead of, you know, off-season junk, which is – all right, correct me if I'm wrong. So we're going to talk about the Michael Lombardi thing where he decided to say that the – quote disease of me has entered the giants locker room went on a rant about um how the team decided to play to pay daniel jones but quote is not going to pay saquon barkley and has not yet handled dexter lawrence and the players have noticed or whatever and that all the players know that it was saquon barkley that what got them to the playoffs last year, not Daniel Jones, blah, 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 blah. This is the kind of thing that happens when there is nothing to talk about, right? Yeah, this is this is somebody that once had a little bit of relevancy. You know, he used to be on Bill Simmons' podcast all the time, and he, you know, got a little bit of a, a brand from being on that. And, you know, basically was – he wasn't fired because he was a guest, but, like, fell out of favor with Simmons and kind of disappeared. You know, I don't – you know, I – the first I've thought of him in – in quite some time and that's someone those are the type of statements where it's obviously you're trying to get clicks and trying to get relevancy again i mean how would a club or a locker room react to these things when we're in the off season and they're not together i mean this week we're starting a little mini camp but you know what is his does list he has spies who hang out with these guys all the time which i really doubt i mean he's a philly guy if I'm not mistaken, oh, he's you know, I don't know the answer. To that. He's definitely a South Jersey guy. I think he's a Philly guy, but it, 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 it's really silliness. You know, he has no idea of what the offseason plan is or how they're approaching free agency with Dexter Lawrence or anything. Um, you know, I remember back when they drafted Daniel Jones, he thought he was a joke from the very beginning. You know, he used to, you know, make fun of him. So again, he's someone who's dying on his hill and. His hill is proving wrong. So sometimes people just ignore what they said in the fact in the past and say something completely different. Some people double down and die on their hill, and that's kind of what he's doing with this. Um, it's just really silly and really shouldn't mean much of anything. 
to be very honest. I'm sure the front office could care less what Mike Lombardi says. Um, I'm sure the players could care less what he says. Players care about two things, getting paid and winning. They don't care about this other nonsense he's talking about. Yeah, I, I think it also – it's just kind of silly um, because it doesn't really make any sense. If you talk to any player that's like in the midst of contract negotiations or anything like that, like the first thing they usually say is like it's a business. That is the understood part of this. And the Giants didn't really do any of the things that he was kind of claiming they were doing, like not paying Saquon Barkley and not paying – Dexter Lawrence. Like, they're going to pay Dexter Lawrence. They are already mm-hmm. talking about that. Saquon Barkley was offered a contract. He turned it down. Now he's getting the franchise tag, a boo-hoo of $10 million. What do you mean they're not paying him? They are mm-hmm. paying him. Yeah. What? I, so, like, none of it makes any sense to begin with. And, and you know, the only thing the Giants did that you could say was a business move and there's nothing wrong with it is they just utilized the leverage they had they got their deal done with daniel jones first because they were more comfortable with the tag on barkley than they were him which has nothing to do with anything i mean that would be the one thing where if you could say anybody was upset about anything and it's very much under the the umbrella of it's a business like it was not a move that was done maliciously they still want to have him on the team how much you know, did they offer him before in the before was the contract twelve million? I mean, all of it's alleged, so like I don't want right. to like put too much in it. But yes, twelve million I believe was the alleged number. So it's two million more than what he's getting with the tag anyway. And also, are we really complaining about ten million dollars for a running back? Is by nature of the tag itself top five money? Yeah. So I mean, serious disrespect. I mean, a guy that you know has been injured almost as much as he's played. You know, has you know, he's not exactly Jim Brown. I mean, he's a really good running back. He's not an all-time great. You know, he's. I, I just don't understand. You know, when people jump in off the top rope at saying things like disrespected or, <laughs> you know, it, it's just it's beyond silly. There's a, I mean, let the players speak for who disrespected them. Like I, it's like a weird thing to be like that's disrespectful for. I mean, let them speak up. If it, yeah, who are you to say anything is disrespectful to anybody? <laughs> like. Yeah, well, that's a that's kind of the problem with this world, isn't it, Grump? That everybody, everybody's in their own feelings about everything. Everybody has an opinion about everything. Everybody has feelings about everything, and they are personally offended. Let me tell you something: Saquon Barkley can give one fuck about your feelings about <laughs> anything that happens to you. He could care less. Sure, he's a nice guy, but does not care about the. 20 million people in the greater New York area and what their opinions are about him. It would be unreasonable. But like, so here's the the second <laughs> half of this rant he went on um, was about how the players know that it was Saquon Barkley that got them to the playoffs and not Daniel Jones or something along those lines. Not only is that silly that the players know or care who did what, maybe did anyone consider because every time this comes up, Giants fans start to argue as to who did it and who was more effective and who wasn't. And I'm not really going to interject in that. But did we consider the fact that the Giants don't want Saquon Barkley to be the engine of this offense? Maybe they want him to be the component. Maybe they want Daniel Jones to be the what, engine of this offense. What does that even mean? <laughs> I, I mean, that's such a, it's so stupid. It's it like, is. you know, I mean, I, I, last time I checked, you know, I look on the back of a football card. It doesn't say Saquon Barkley engine. <laughs> it doesn't say Daniel Jones component. 
it's running back. I mean, and, and these and, are just. And the thing that's silly is that Daniel Jones is always going to be at his best with a dynamic running back behind him. It doesn't have to be Barkley, but he's always going to be better with a guy like that. So it's always going to be kind of like a tag team offense because part of what makes him good is his threat to run, and you can always double that threat with a running back. It, it just yeah. makes sense. It's always going to be this way. There's no sense in having this argument. Daniel Jones is the one who's always going to get the money. He's the quarterback. It's just how it works. I, I don't – It very, very bizarre stretch of logic as to who is more important. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The Giants want Daniel Jones to be the future. That's right. what it is. I mean, and it, our next topic in a second, we're talking about Jalen Hurts and the contract he had. But the bottom line in this thing is if you think you have your quarterback – you pay for him, period. Exactly. Yep. It doesn't matter. If you think you've got the guy, having the guy in your mind means you don't have to worry about you know, wasting your time in a draft, thinking about other free agents, worrying about you know, you know, if I have to get another quarterback next year, do I have to scrap this offense I have right now? You have this quarterback. You lock him up. That means I have certainty in a league where there's very little certainty. You know that this is the guy we're building around. You know what his strengths are. You know what his weaknesses are. You know what you need to build around him. Case closed. But all that stuff is a lot easier than finding the guy. And uh, you're right. That's what this league is. This is a quarterback-driven league. More and more so now, you know, this is more of an offensive league, and the rules have changed to allow more offense. It relies on a quarterback, a quarterback who has multiple skill sets that he did 15 years ago. You think you got him? You get, you lock them up, you pay, and you build around. Jalen Hurts' contract uh, was, I believe, signed today. It was reported, uh, I believe, this morning, I think, right? My sense of time is all off. This morning. Yeah. Um, I'm sure Michael Lombardi has no problem with this contract extension because, I don't know, Jalen Hurts was signed to a team that more recently went to a Super Bowl. Um, whatever. Uh, tell me a little bit about Jalen Hurts' contract. I, I mean, good for them, good for him. It seems right to me. I, you know, I think people are just like their eyes are popping out of their head because, again, they just look at the number. You know, that's a huge number for the length of the contract if it is executed over the full term of the contract. But to me, it goes right back to the same point. They found their guy. They found their guy who's had success. Um, you know, they found a guy they think they can get them to the Super Bowl. They know this is a very good team this year with a young quarterback who is the cornerstone of that franchise. You pay him. Don't dick around. Don't cause, you know, you start worrying about contracts in the, in the future and it starts getting close to the time. You don't need to have, you know, the he said, she said in the press and everything. And you don't, especially a town like Philly where they're going to, you know, jump on every word that they say, and you're going to cause factions, the pro and, and, the, and the con hurts pro and the con of the team for it. If everybody's in agreement, you pay. You know, again, the cap's only going to go up in the next few years. And, you know, in four years, the hurts deal might be a relative bargain. You know, I'm pretty sure he's going to get better and better in the next couple of years. And, you know, we'll see. But I don't have any problem with it. I think it's actually a pretty good deal for Philly. It's cap-friendly the first few years, and, you know, they'll make some decisions, but those decisions have to be made, you know, three, four years now. That's an eternity in the NFL. 
The next four years, his cap number is six million thirteen and a half, twenty-one and three quarters, and then thirty-one and three quarters. For those first three years, that's like nothing. Yeah. For for I mean, for a guy who performs like a top five quarterback in the league, right? I mean, sure. I, I think in a, in a different he, offense, he's probably not that. But in the offense he's in, that's what he is. Right? I mean, in a, in a different offense, Lamar Jackson is not good. That's uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, correct. In a different offense, Mahomes may not be what he is. You know, so I mean, it, everything is the sum of its parts, and you know that's. But that's also a front office and a coaching staff's job. Also, is to maximize the talent they have to win. So you're put in these positions to succeed and then it's up to you to go up and, and execute to succeed. I don't know. I, I think that these are great numbers for Philly. I think that they, um, they did what they had to do. I didn't have a doubt that it would happen. And, um, let me ask you something, Grump. Yeah. It's, it, might, it might be a little early for this, but all things equal, do you rather have the Philly front office or the giants front office? I think I would rather have the Giants front office just because it's tied so closely to Dable. I think that's the tiebreaker for me right there. Um, I think they are. I think they're more entwined than Nick Sirianni is. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. I think that's a big part of it. Um, I, that that Eagle front office, you know, they're savvy. Man. I mean, they've been good for savvy. a very long time now. Um, yeah. Yeah, and again, I said that may not be fair because this front office has really only been together for not even two drafts yet. <laughs> so we we don't know, you know, there's not enough sample size and body of work. But you know, I mean, like credit to them, they've managed to win with uh, a coaching staff they didn't stay with, with a quarterback with quarterbacks they didn't stay with. So like, obviously, there's that as like a positive. But to me, the negative is they haven't found those things. I don't think Nick Sirianni is the coach that's going to be there much longer. I, I know what just happened, whatever. Uh, Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl, and he wasn't there that much longer. So I don't think either one of those things – and I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to be their answer long term. I think once the coaching – I think once the offense changes, the expectations change, I think the cracks start to show at the same time the money kicks in and it just becomes easier for a fresh start with a different coach, with a different offense, with a different QB. I think that's kind of what's going to happen. So the tiebreaker for me is I think, I think that Brian Dable might be very close to a quarterback whisperer of some kind in, in uh, a way where he can maximize talents and build an offense around it so that he'll always have a quarterback that's kind of his. And I think that Brian Dable and Joe Shane are very closely tied. So that's my tiebreaker. If that Why do you sense. think Sirianni's not long for the job? Do you think he'll get poached somewhere else? Do you think he'll outstay his welcome? Like, I think he's one of those guys that has like kind of like a meteor when he goes somewhere and he kind of... You know, I, I didn't... I, I thought he was kind of a joke to begin with. And I think that that is not at all related to where I'm at now. I think that um, he made a lot of very good decisions with his offensive coordinator, um, but I think he made bad decisions with his defensive coordinator, and I don't even think he noticed. Um, And I think that he is doomed to not care about his defense enough, and I also think that the offense is going to take a step back this year and uh, because they lost that coordinator. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think that 
my feelings on him as a legit person changed around the time of the Super Bowl, just looking at the way he was acting. I don't know if that's like stupid to say or not, but like he's just kind of he got very caught up in himself, I think, possibly as like a celebrity ish figure very early in his career. At the same time, I think he's relying on a lot of other things for his success. It looks you know, like a recipe for disaster. I'm not saying it's going to be. It's just a feeling I have. Yeah, you know, that's interesting because, you know, I could you could very easily see that happening to David when he first got here. Mm-hmm. Remember, he was at You're not every, wrong. You're not He wrong. was at every Ranger game during that um, that run to the Eastern Conference Finals, which they lost to the Lightning, by the way. Um, but you know, he was always on the scoreboard, and he was like one of the faces, like the he was like the celebrity face of Ranger but fans. That was during before that. he actually did it. No, 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 no. I'm saying though, but like my point is that he didn't let the be. Hey, I'm the coach mm. of the New York Football Giants in New York City. Get to his head at all? Where I think what you're saying is about Sirianni is like the success he had has gotten to his head, and he's he's become a cartoon character of himself. I think a lot of the things that you can find of Dable being um, a little cartoony or whatever, or you know whatever, they're very behind the scenes situations. They're in the locker room. He's playing yeah. with the players. Nick Sirianni was doing shit in front of the camera, like yeah, it, very much like a player. Um, and those are two different attitudes, in my opinion. I, I, again, this really could be nothing. I mean, you asked me a question, I kind of went mm-hmm. off in, oh, and thought about it. Um, so, um, he very well could be the coach there for, you know, a decade and a half, and I could hate his guts because he's so good. Um, and like, he's not without creativity. Like, I'm not saying he, but Doug Peterson, I don't think was an awful coach either. It's clear that he's at least good enough to run a team. He is he has earned my respect more. I thought he was kind of a clown early in his career in Philly and um I, I think what he's done in Jacksonville with such a mess that team was not even twelve months later. And, you know, you add that on to the fact that he won a Super Bowl. I mean that's like, okay, well <laughs> take my personal feelings aside, yes, I have to admit the guy's a pretty good coach. Yeah. And I mean it's not like he he turned around, you know, the Bucks from seventy whatever, um, the worst of first mm. team. Th- this well, is I... a team covered in first round draft picks with one of the best quarterbacks I've seen play college ball. Um, That's true, but, but, he also, but... He basically he had to hit the reset button on him. Catcher basically the first year with him was wasted under Urban Meyer, and that Correct. complete disaster. I mean, that set. You know, that hit the complete pause button on that whole team for a year. Nothing, nothing. Well, not even. I mean, you could see the change in him mid year. With mm-hmm. Trevor Lawrence, he still wasn't very good. The beginning of that whole team wasn't very good. The beginning right. of the year, yeah. I mean, remember we're going back to the Eagles really quick. You know, we did our preview shows to like you know before this twenty one season, and we were just completely bagging on that team. We thought they had the worst offensive line in football. We just thought they were a complete mess. Um, and then you know, two years later, they're one of the you know the the elite teams in this league, and that was a pretty quick, pretty quick turnaround. Yeah, um, I, it's. I don't think it's like any secret either that um, the Giants went right after their front office when they took the assistant sure. there. So, sure, um, sure. Whose name I always forget, and I feel bad. I want to say it's like Bobby Brown or something like that, but. I, <laughs> I, um. A, anyway, it's a new addition, a new addition uh, front office for the Giants. So. Anyway, um, 
They've done a that. very good job of pulling <laughs> veteran players and getting them to sign, you know, in, in niche roles for cheap money. Um, but they really did go out and get Bobby O'Karake. And I think we're going to talk about the linebacker position a little bit. Um, this was a huge issue for the team. It was a big issue for fans. And I, I don't personally, I'm not really that worried about it anymore. They went out and got Bobby Okereke, and like to me, the linebacker position was something that was like, it's one of those difference maker spots where they were lacking in the ability to just, you know, shut down the run game consistently, um, add an extra element of rushing the passer and covering things like tight ends and running backs out of the backfield on those third third down situations where they would get kind of bent over backwards. Um, it wasn't like the center position where like we have just nobody. Um, you know, they had they had Micah McFadden play all last year. They went out and got Jared Davis to help him out. They retained him. They had uh, drafted Darian Beavers last year as well. He was getting a lot of preseason snaps. It was a problem. They needed to address it, but they went like we were saying like. All of the positions of need, they went out and they got something to allow flexibility in the draft. This, to me, signing Bobby Okereke almost completely eliminates the need to draft a linebacker in this draft. I don't know if you agree with that or not. I, I agree. I, you're right. When you when you need a lot of different things, there's some things you want to kind of table for next year. It doesn't mean that the position is you know fortified for the next seven or eight years, but it's something where – I want to table this as a need for 2024, whether it's through free agency or through the draft. So it's a it, it's a very good placeholder signing that you know provides short term quality, but is the bridge until we want to draft for the future. You know, let's address other needs first right now. Yeah, and I don't even think that this is a good off ball linebacker draft. Um, I know that that might not be like kind of a popular opinion on some of the guys in this draft. Um, I think I, I, I'm not really sure. I, I think that there is just nobody that stands out head and shoulders in this draft as a linebacker that's just ready to go. Um, and to me, there's not even day one talent. Um, I think the top guys are. Uh, Jack Campbell from Iowa, I think, is the best guy in this draft. He looks the part. Uh, he sort of kind of plays the part. He's got some speed concerns for me. Um, I, I, I think his speed concerns are exacerbated by uh, being slow to diagnose what he's reading, which is bad. <laughs> that's, a bad that's, a, that's not a great combination. It's not a great sign. Um, but, I mean, they're not awful speed concerns. He's just not elite in that manner the way he is with everything else. He's 6'5", 250 pounds i mean that is how you draw up a linebacker i guess it's even big um i think he could develop into a third three down linebacker uh day and henley from washington state's another one he's got all the athletic traits you want he's 6'1 and 225 so he sort of looks the part as well maybe a little bit on the small side but it does kind of feel like he's just running around out there um mm. he overruns plays all the time he looks uh another draft person i had to confirm this because i wasn't sure if i was just wrong about him but i think maybe it was lance zerline described him as active but not instinctive uh, and i think that that's actually pretty apropos i feel like instincts instincts are a prerequisite in the nfl you might be able to get away with that in college or even in the sec but 
when you're getting to the NFL where these guys are bigger, stronger, faster, smarter, more experienced, you have to have that innate ability to know where you're going to be before you even think about it. And if instinct is a question mark, that's doesn't some that's something that erases my alarm bells. You know, me too, man. I got to say, like even if you're wrong, I I don't want you to like pussyfoot about it. Like just go. Uh, mm-hmm. Like it's okay to be I, the best players are wrong sometimes. So like there's that as but, well. But, but but they're also if they have good even if they're wrong, their instincts will get them to the right spot. And they kind of, yeah, play exactly. on, on the back end of something. Right. And yeah. and I have to agree. Like there's some positions that where maybe instincts are not the most important thing. Like I think if you're a defensive tackle, instincts will separate the elite from very good. But if you're disruptive, I mean that's like ninety percent of their job is to be disruptive. Um, I don't think you necessarily need instincts. I, I don't know. And now I'm talking in circles. That's not really true. But linebacker especially, instincts, when you're wrong, a, a, a good play will become a horrible play very, very quickly. Um, and for me, when you have an athletic guy that shows that he's not really sure what he's doing, it just sounds to me like you're getting another Tay Crowder. Which I didn't really have a whole lot of problems with Tay Crowder's athletic ability or anything like that it just seemed to be that he was still learning the position and he didn't have any natural instincts for it his natural instincts were understanding that holes were opening in front of him because he used to be a running back i think but like (laughs) he would he would jump the wrong gaps all the time he would vacate his spot all the time it it was a problem and it made the running game he's not a natural he's not a natural football player he just doesn't have the instincts he just you know he i mean i guess so yeah uh, yeah. And to me, like, all of these guys can probably be developed to be good at this stuff. That my, my top three guys, Jack Campbell, Dan Henley, Dorian Williams, I think that they all can be developed into something that uh, can be productive at the next level and they will use to their advantage. If they don't want or can't get any of those guys, because I do think they'll be overdrafted, um, there's like only situational or depth options in my opinion on day three and Mm -hmm. i do think that drew sanders from arkansas is a day three guy i do think trenton simpson's a day three guy and when i say that i mean that's still upside they could prove me wrong but right now i see more downside than upside with them you know what's interesting you have mentioned arkansas quite a bit on this show Every they have week. a couple players, yeah. Yeah, it seems like this is like the third week in a row I've heard Arkansas come up. So, so Drew Sanders is a weird one, right? Uh, he was brought to my attention. Uh, he's a converted edge rusher, I think. Um, he's also very tall, 6'4", and I can understand why people really like him, but I do have him as a day three guy. I think that he's not very decisive, and that could be because he's still learning the position. Like, don't conserve... Uh, confused decisive with aggressive because he is a downhill guy he's got an imposing size he's a good tackler he's got a knack for creating turnovers too um but he doesn't make that decision fast enough for me so like he can still be a step late even at the sec level i mean you put that up at the nfl level and you might as well be six steps too late it doesn't matter um, so that's a big problem for me. I also think he's not very good at rushing between the tackles. He still does some edge rushing for Arkansas or whatever. He did edge rushing for them. Uh, and he seems to win mostly with like one move and, and speed. And at 
the A-gap pressure from, like, the middle linebacker off-ball spot, he just runs in too tall. He runs in at, like, all 6'4 of himself, and he just gets stonewalled, in my opinion. And he can kind of be disruptive if he... If the situation is right, if there's a twist or just a bad lineman or something, he can get by them the same way he gets by on the edge with kind of like one move and then just get free. I don't think he's going to face that many bad offensive linemen in the NFL. I just mm-hmm. I, I don't know what his production in Arkansas is really going to translate to at the NFL level. So it seems mm-hmm. like a lot more guesswork to me than proven quantities. Right. They had that weird defense too at Arkansas. They, they, they fucking threw the the whole kitchen sink at people, man. It yeah, was, they had it like, was pretty wild. What did they do like a like a three two six they were doing for a while? Like that all sorts of crazy stuff. They had a lot of really weird alignments, yeah. And they, they yeah. rushed pressure from a lot of different places too. Yeah. Uh, very, very aggressive. A lot of man coverage too, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah, I don't know. To me, I think the signing of Bobby Okereke, I'm okay with not even worrying about linebacker. And day three, if you want, if you find somebody that fell or you think there's upside, go ahead and grab him because it's still a weak position group. But I don't know, man. I don't think they're the the linebacker of the future for this team is even in this draft. I just don't see it. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong. I mean, like Jack Campbell's pretty good. I just he doesn't look dominant yet. I wouldn't spend a first round pick on him. So that's probably probably the assessment that the front office made, and that's why they made the deal to get a car crate. Probably was just like, I think I, so. I mean, I I, I don't see any uh, you know game changers out there that we want to spend high draft picks with. So let's let's get, lock in somebody that will make a difference. Well, yeah, there's like no game changers, but also there's very few options that are like starter quality. Like there, mm-hmm. there's not a whole lot of like column A, column B going on here. Right. So it's, right. It's just like. It's kind of going to be first at the table, so I think I think that may have had a hand in their offseason priorities. Yeah, sure. And that you know, you appreciate a front office that's looking holistically at everything. You know, their big board is not guys who are being drafted. Their big board is everybody who's available. <laughs> so you know, yeah, they made they made you know what I mean. It's like they made the assessment. And I I think that might be the smartest move. So they. That's why we always say, and you always say, that you know you draft players, you don't draft positions. That this sounds like a good example of that. It, I mean, I think so. Yeah, I, I think it would be folly. And I mean, unless they think that one of those three is going to be there for them and is their guy, I, I I think it would be folly to take any of these guys and make it work. But look, I'm gonna say this straight up. I'm not gonna be real mad about it because I don't take myself as seriously as I take the. Giants, I guess. Um, meaning, I'm not gonna take my draft analysis over the front office. There are more of them; they have more experience than me. And when the Giants draft the players they draft, I'm gonna do double, triple work on them. I mean, I do limited work to get as many players as I can done enough that right. I think I'm getting an accurate assessment, and then I'll quit. Which is usually three games. Sometimes it's two. Depends on <laughs> how far down the chain I think, or or sometimes it depends on priority, right? Like right. quarterbacks, Giants aren't drafting a quarterback, so I'm not doing a ton of work on quarterbacks. But um, that being said, when the Giants draft who they draft, I will be doing double triple work on them, and I might change my mind on anything that I've said. Uh, but I'm even if I don't, I'm still going to hold my reservations, but defer to the experts. 
And I know one place where I'll find all that great work you'll do. Oh, besides, yeah. besides this wonderful program, there's a sister show, a companion show, a you know, a yin to our yang. Tell us about it. Yeah, so um, I started up the Football Grump uh, YouTube channel where I'm just going over draft stuff. It's kind of hodgepodge my thoughts. Uh, I did a couple of rankings. I did wide receiver rankings, cornerback rankings, and I also did just general thoughts on my top wide receivers in this draft. I have another video that's going to come out soon um, about the cluster of similar day two wide receivers that I like and I, I think are interesting to talk about. Uh, I got really sick over the weekend, so I did literally zero work, nothing. Uh, I just prepared linebackers for the show. Um, so I've been literally bedridden. I didn't go to work today. Um, so I'm not sure. I thought that that video was planning. I wanted that out on Monday, but it'll come out when it comes out. But also, I will be Solid. live on Talking Giants for the draft itself, which is next week. That next is... week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I'll be on Talking Giants. You're gonna be here all three days. Yeah. I'm gonna wow. Do that. Um, That's awesome. It. I'm gonna be there. I, I'm on I, I, multiple I different to... shows as well. Oh, and we were on um, uh, Toilets and Titles with Joseph Clark. That was awesome. Yeah, we really appreciate it. That was a lot of fun. Now, I'm going to be on the Giant Rush uh, draft show on Friday. I'm a I'm a day two draft person, obviously. You know, um, Grump is your, you know, top five pick. He's probably, you know, with the first pick in the draft. I am more of, you know, you know, when ESPN is talking about somebody and there's three picks that go on while they're talking about the guy <laughs> that was picked before, I'm the guy they kind of slip in for draft coverage. But I, I know my lane. But uh, uh, they – I'm going to be on their show talking about the Giants, obviously. So that'll be fun for me. That's awesome, man. Uh, and I might come to Talking Giants and heckle you guys one day when if I'm not doing anything that weekend. It is only my anniversary, but uh, <laughs> that's right. It's also, it's also draft. <laughs> um, I think also. So next week, what do you want to do? We haven't talked about safeties, edge rushers, defensive line. We haven't talked generally about the draft. What we think. What do you want to do? I think we just talked generally about the draft next I week. Think so I think so too, man. I think we're so close. I think, um, you know, getting I'll slip into... in. I'll slip in some info about those three spots, like maybe my top guys or guys to anchor on for those three. That's what I'm thinking. Groups, yeah. That's but, what but I'm thinking. We'll, we'll focus mainly on, like, what do you do at 25? What are you worried about? Um, we'll throw in some scenarios and how, we, how would you go if you were Joe Shane? Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, just – yeah. Just general draft thoughts like that. That's that's great. So we'll be we'll be doing that, um, and then we will not have an episode until. Jeez, I don't know, man. Are we going to well, be able to have like? I do not believe I'm going anywhere that weekend. We might be able to sneak something in over the weekend. Um. Yeah, but we'll definitely have like a reaction thing. I'll probably be active on my Grump channel, and then I think we're probably going to end up taking a little bit of a break. Uh, yeah, don't worry, guys. We're talking like maybe a week. <laughs> yeah. We're not, going, we're not going into hibernation for six months or anything. So, um, yeah, because Grump needs some sleep. Um, he's been working nonstop uh, and it's all his coverage and everything. Well, both of us have been working a lot, too. So, oh, God. it's, it's been also, not easy. I've been working like 70 hours a week. And then also, we have to get a deal with, you know, the Knicks, the Rangers, slash, uh, Devils, slash Bolts. Just you know, that's life. A, a lot of stuff. <laughs> life, yeah. There's a, there's a lot going on, so um, you know once we understand you know who we're drafting, we'll obviously talk about that for a little bit. Then we'll just kind of 
worry about the playoffs and come back uh, fresh for this. That's right. So you know where to catch us, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, etc. Same thing with my show. You can catch us also. You can catch Cranky Fan on New York Giants Rush on Friday. Uh, is that live? We are going live. Yeah, I believe so. There you go. So live for that. And uh, we will catch you all next time. Till then, go Giants. Go Giants. Let's go Giants!